Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy the message. So really what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about this idea of consumer Christianity. And if it's your first time, um, I'm going to try to sound, I, I, sometimes I sound mean when I'm preaching. I'm not mad. I'm just passionate, all right? And that's the difference. I'm not angry at all. So, but the subject is a little touchy, but I really felt we needed to hear this. I'm talking about consumer Christianity. And I remember my, first, my very first job when I was 16 years old um, was at a store called PacSun. Did anybody know PacSun? Okay, so I worked at PacSun, uh, Pacific Sunwear. And I'm just going to be honest, I was a really bad employee. <laughs> I was 16 years old. I mean, I, you know, I didn't have the right work ethic, whatever. But I remember working there, and, and I was a worker. And some, some, there were some days when I would take ownership of my job, right? Some days, I'm going to be honest, not every day. Uh, that's why they let me go. But it's okay. It's in the past. Um, but I would take ownership of my job, and I, I, would, I would work as if it was my own, right? But the, my biggest pet peeve was, anybody ever work in retail? Anybody work in retail? Okay. My biggest pet peeve was when I folded those shirts and I sized them up right, right? Extra large, large, medium, small. Like every, like they were straight. You know what I mean? Like when it's perfect. And then the consumer would come. Ah. They'd grab the shirt. They'd look for their, they'd pull like, like lift up the shirts and then pull your shirt out. That's not how they did it. They grabbed the one they wanted from the bottom. Then the thing toppled over. They looked at it. Put, you know, oh, it's not good. Just dropped it. Now. That was my biggest pet peeve. It bugged me so much because I'm like, you have no idea how many hours it took me to do that whole shelf and you just ruined it all for a shirt you didn't even buy. Like, you need to buy this shirt now. And so um, I never said that, but my, my manager wanted me to and I didn't. And, and so it would, it would just bother me because the consumer didn't think like the worker, right? Or the consumer doesn't think... Like the owner, you know, you know, there, there's employees that are employees, but there's also employees and workers that take ownership of their job. And the truth is, is consumers don't don't think like that. Consumers think more so about themselves than about how much work it takes or what's needed or 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 what they should sacrifice in order to make that business thrive or to make that store work. And so consumers think very differently when it comes to workers, right? You have consumers and you have workers and and, and the sad thing today is the church today is filled with consumers. The church today is filled with people who will come in, not really care about what it took to build the church, or not really care about what it took to establish the church or the presence of God, and they come in and they, they treat it as if it's just something that's there to serve them. Right? A consumer is somebody who comes to a church and says, what can I get out of this? What is, what is in this church for me? A, co- a consumer says, what can I get? But, a, but one who takes ownership says, what can I give to make this place thrive? And so when you think of consumer Christianity, that's the sad truth is that what the world sees, what's, on, what's on, in the spotlight to the world's eye view is not a church of power, but is, it is a church of consumers, who will come in, receive, 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 but never sacrifice what they've received in order for the greater good of their neighbor or of their community or of their family. Do you guys following me today? Now, I know that's none of us here, right? I know that none of us are like that. We're all good, right? I'm going to say that right now. So if, if, I, if you feel bad about yourself right now, don't feel bad. But I want to just tell you this up front that Reclaim Church was not, is not a church of consumers, 
I'm, honestly, as a pastor, I'm not, I don't want to just have a big church for the sake of having a big church. Well, what is that? Like, that's cool, and I'm sure they accomplish different things, but that's not our goal. Our goal is to have a church who is filled with people who understand how important and valuable they are if they would do something for God. Is that making sense today? So we're not called to consume God's gifts. God didn't call you just to say, hey, I'm going to give it all to you, everything you want, and you never have to sacrifice a thing. What does that create? That creates spoiled children. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that, that God is a good father. He's a good father, and a good father doesn't spoil his kids, right? But he lets them see their value, and he lets them see that, hey, listen, I'm not going to give you everything you want, but I'm going to teach you, I'm going to teach you how to accomplish things for yourself. I'm going to teach you how to accomplish your purpose. And so the, the, the consumer, the Christian consumer is often very complacent. Complacency means this. I, I put the definition up because I needed to see it for myself. It's self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. So complacency is to say everything is okay, but to say that out of ignorance without understanding the world around you or the inner deficiencies within yourself. And so the consumer, the consumer Christian is often complacent when it comes to the things of God. And, and complacency is, is a dangerous place. And we see this in the book of Matthew Chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. I promise I do use scripture when I preach. <laughs> it went about five minutes without it, but that's all right. So if you want to turn to your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. <clears throat> and it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one. Two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion <clears throat> to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I, I harvested crops and I, didn't, and I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit the money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will, they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this use, use, useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, this. imagine how awkward it was for this 
guy that had the one, the one, the one bag, right? Like, there's probably a line of them three, and he's like, hey, I doubled it. This next guy says, like, hey, I doubled it. And the other guy's probably like, oh, I didn't do, I didn't do anything with it, but I got to tell this guy. I mean, I would feel awkward about that. But here's his, here's his servant, and, and this is the truth is that is what he was is he was complacent with what God had given him. He, was, he, he didn't make an effort to do something with, with what he had been gifted with. And because the servant hid the talent or hid the bag of silver, that bag of silver lost its ability to grow into the, to its potential or to be multiplied, you know, beyond itself. Complacency will hinder your own potential. When we're, when we're complacent in life, especially when it comes to our walk with the Lord, complacency will hinder us from all that we can become. Now, when, when I talk about, hey, we got to do something for God, I'm not telling you this just for like, hey, you know, you just got to do something and you better do something because or else God is going to be upset with you or he's going to be mad at you. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there is so much to your own life that you have so much potential in your life that you should not waste it. You should not waste the gifts that God has given you. You shouldn't waste the things that you went through in life. Don't let, your, don't let your struggles be wasted because of your complacency. But God has purposed you and he, he's given you a, a purpose and he has a plan and a destiny for your life. But if you're complacent with the things of God, you'll never fulfill your potential. Is that making sense? Complacency hinders potential, but complacency also stops too soon. There's a story in the book of 2 Kings and, and Elisha is a prophet and he comes to the king and he, he basically gives him a command and he says, um, actually I'm just going to read it, it's only a couple of verses, but he says, when Elijah was in his, his last illness, King Jeho, Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows and the king did as he, as he was told. Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elijah laid his own hands on the king's hands. When he commanded, open that eastern window. And he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow. Elijah proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram. For you will be completely, for, excuse me, for you will completely conquer the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked up. Picked them up and struck the ground three times, but the man of God was angry with him. He said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will only be victorious three times. See, complacency puts us in a place where we stop too soon. Where, where we don't pursue or we, or we give up right before we have a breakthrough in life. I know that some of us are probably going through some things in life. I know that there's a reason that you came to this church today. There's a reason you walked through that single door. There's a reason you walked on all those rocks in the parking lot. There's a reason you got here today. You're looking for something. You're looking for something. Can I tell you that, that sometimes when we're, when we're looking for God, we can become complacent in our search and we stop too soon. When God is right there waiting for us just a little bit longer, just pray a little bit more, just seek Him a little bit more, but we stop too soon. Why? Because we're complacent or we're frustrated or we're tired. And the truth is this, I've been tired of religion too, but you, you'll never get tired of Jesus. When you encounter Him, the pursuit is worth it. The pursuit is worth it. Don't be a complacent Christian. Don't be a complacent 
follower of Christ. You've been, you, you're meant for more. You're meant for more. But see, complacency, what it does too is, is it offends the non-complacent. What, the, the non-complacent offend the, those who are complacent. You know what I'm saying? So, so the ones who are trying hard will offend those who are not trying hard. Now listen, I'm a church kid. I grew up in church. I was in church my whole life. And I've been around when, when people would come, new people would come, they'd get saved, God would do something in their life, and they would just start doing everything. They're like, you got an outreach? You know what I mean? Like, what do you, can I be at the, you got prayer meetings? I'm, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there. And what would happen is, those who were religious would sit back and be upset, say things like, oh, it's not going to last. Oh, this guy's faking it. He's not going to make it. You ever heard comments like that? Because those who are religious are complacent. And when somebody comes along who's no longer complacent, the ones who are complacent are offended by them. Because it's like, wait a minute. I want everybody on my level. I don't want to be on your level. You're doing too much. Can I encourage you? Don't let the, not, don't, don't let the complacent stop you from pursuing God. The Pharisees were complacent. That's why they were so upset with Jesus. He comes in. He starts changing everything up. They're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. This is not how we've done it. This is, this, is not, this is not right. So they get offended. What We all know what happens is they end up killing him. Thank God he came back from the dead, saved all of us. But the, the complacent are offended by the non-complacent. Don't let those people stop you. Don't let your family talk you out of, of living for Jesus. Oh, you're doing that church thing? Oh, it's not going to last. It's a phase. Ever hear that? Oh, it's not going to last. Oh, you're not going to make it. It's just emotion. It's just emotion. No, 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 no. When God does something in your life, it changes you. It changes you. But what we can do is we can allow the people, the, the voices of our surroundings to hide what God has given to us. Therefore, we don't fulfill our potential. Don't be complacent. And the last thing I want to say about complacency is the complacent are bad examples. Jesus says that we, we're, we're supposed to live an abundant life. Now, when you think of abundance, I'm not just talking about financially. I'm not talking about money. When I, when I say abundance, I'm talking about joy, peace, right? I'm talking about power. I'm talking about walking in faith and walking with God. Like, that's abundance. When you walk with God every single day, that's an abundant life. But Jesus calls us to abundance. The complacent are, okay, are, are fine with just an okay average life. I don't want to be an average Christian. I don't want this church to just be an average church where people can come in and leave the same. That's not why we're here. We're here to let you know that God wants to encounter you. That God wants to do something real inside of your life. But complacency won't get you there. Complacent people, they don't walk in the power of God. Complacent consumers don't walk in the power. They don't show the people of, they don't show the world what God can do. They don't show the world that God still does miracles, that God still heals, fam heals families, that God still restores broken hearts, and that God still mends, you know, wounds and open wounds from the past, and that God still does all these things. They don't show that because they're okay with the okay. They're okay with, oh, my family's messed up. It's just always going to be like that. I've just learned to live with it. They're okay with that. They're okay with, yeah, well, well I don't really talk to my spouse anymore. We're not, we, we sleep in separate rooms now. We don't really get along like we used to, but that's okay. They're okay with the average. I'm not okay with the average. They're okay with people just getting cancer and having no hope. I'm not okay with that. 
They're okay with people getting sick and coming to church and, and okay, well, we'll believe that you go peacefully or we'll believe that the doctor's got the right medicine. And listen, I'm not against medicine, but I know the power of God. And I've seen him heal. I've seen it happen. We've seen it in our church. But the complacent don't experience that. They're bad examples of the power of God because they're okay with the okay. They're okay with the average Christian life. They're okay with, oh, I'll just show up to church on Sunday, get my donut, get my coffee, hear, hear Pastor Mike yell for a little bit, and then I'll go home and I'm good. They're okay with that. I don't know about you, but I'm not okay with that. That's not why we're here. We're here for something greater. This is the truth is that God wants to multiply what you have. God's given you gifts. He's put something in you. And he wants to multiply that. What I love about this story is, is the master gave these guys a bunch. Now, they gave a lot of money. Now, we, they talk about bags of silver. Like, this was a lot of money. I think it was like, I, I was reading, I think it was like either three or six months of wages. That's a lot of money. Like, I would love that. Like, give me that now. That would be perfect. I'll take it. But, but the master gave it to them. They didn't earn it. They didn't come up with it on their own. It was given to them. The giftings that you have have been given to you by God. You don't have to earn it. You didn't have to pay for it. You didn't have to work for it. The love of God that is in your life, you didn't have to earn that. It's already there, available to you. But what God wants to do is God wants to take your life and he wants, you, he wants to multiply what you have. What do I mean? What I mean is you can make a difference in people. When, when we talk about church and we talk about religion and we talk about Christianity, can I tell you what it comes down to? It comes down to people. It comes down to a person. A person. You can invest into people. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2 says, you heard me teach, the th- uh, excuse me, you heard me teach things that, I ha- that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. That's discipleship. That's what we talk about, discipleship and multiplication. When God speaks to you and you speak into somebody else and they speak into somebody else, it's a multiplication of what God is doing in your own life. God wants to multiply what you've been given. You've been gifted, but it's not for yourself. You have to just use what you have. You may think, well, I don't have enough. I'm not good enough. I haven't done this long enough. It's okay. Use what you have. One guy had five bags. One guy had two bags. One guy had one bag. Every, guy was in, every, every one of the servants works was expected to do something with the gift that was given to them. You may think it's not enough, but when you put it in God's hands, he multiplies what you have. Does that make sense? So I'm going to get in. I, I hope this is encouraging you. Because I, I, I know that you're coming here like, if you're in this church, there's a lot of good churches out that you can be in. Like, but if you're here, you're here for something. And I want you to know that God wants to use you. Like, I'm, like when you look at, like, you, know, you, you go to church, you look at a pastor, like, like, honestly, you can do this. You can go start a church one day. You can do that. You can, you can be a pastor one day. You can be a leader in the church one day. Whatever God has put in your heart, you can do those things, but, but it's not going to come if you're complacent. It's not going to come with, as a casual Christian... It's going to come when you begin to take initiative. Take an initiative. Own it. 
own what God has given you. Just own it. Like, this is mine. I'm going to do, do something with my life. I don't know why. Can I get my wife up here? That would be amazing if she can come play piano. Can I, can I, I'm going to let you guys in on a little bit of something. We're actually, now I talked to our, our, our building leaser, and there's, the reason I'm saying is because we can hear the kids, which is okay. Keep bringing your kids, that's all right. Um, but we're looking for another, another place. And if you can keep that in prayer, we're looking for a, a, a building that can facilitate our children um, in, a, in a, you know, so they're not all squished into that room, you know what I mean? Like, kind of have to shove them in there and slam the door. Um, yeah, so, but, but so if you keep that in prayer, that's something that we're doing. And when, when I was putting this message together, I, I, I was kind of struggling with it, honestly, because when I, when I preach, I want to I bring messages that you, you go home and you're like, man, you know what? Yeah, I feel good. I feel good. But there are some times that we have to reevaluate what we're doing. Because if we come to church and all we're expecting is, is just church, then we're missing it. We're missing it. When you encounter the presence of God, when you truly encounter God for yourself, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And so what I'm talking about today, I'm not just talking about, oh, you know, do something in the church. Like, I'm not even saying, like, oh, you got to be a part of ministry now. If you're going to do something for God, you got to do it here. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the world needs to see the power of God. The way the world sees the power of God is through your life. It's not about what you do in our church. It's about how you live when you leave. It's about your Monday through Saturday. How are you seeking God? How are you living for God? What are you doing for God? Are you, are you complacent every, throughout the week and you get to church on Sunday and you're like, okay, here we go again. It becomes a routine. Or are you really pursuing God? Because there's so much more that He has for us than just church. There's so much more that He has for us, guys. I'm telling you. We're going to see God move like in an amazing way as He's going to continue to build this church. But it doesn't, it, it can't just be me and, and, and my wife that are this, you know, this crazy about it. We have to be together. Own it. Take ownership. This is not my church. This is our church. Take ownership of it. Take initiative when God, is, when God is asking you to do something. Take initiative and do something in this, in this church. It's one I want to briefly talk about. In this church, it's not my church. This is our church. This is our church. And so some ways you could take initiative within the church is you could support the church. Financially, yes, that would help. But not just financially, but the way you pray for us. The way you, you, you invite others to come. That's how you take initiative. You have giftings that God wants to use in this church, yes, but, but, but invest in, in, into people. Invite people. Support what God is doing. Support the vision. Also, be, be a problem solver, not a complainer. Consumers complain. Those who take ownership, solve. They solve. You know, when you, when, it's almost like owners and renters. And I heard a guy say this. And I was like, dang, that's, really, that's, that's some good stuff. But the difference between an owner and a renter when it comes to a church 
is the owner will come to a church and see issues, see problems, see things that need to change. They'll be like, man, what can I do to change this? But someone, a consumer or a renter will come to a church, see issues and problems, say, oh, I'm out. I'm going to go find a better one. I'm going to go find a better place. I'm going to go find a bigger place. There's nothing wrong with the big. But when God has put something in your life, there's a reason you're here. To be used. So, so we, don't, we don't complain. We, we solve problems. Those who take initiative solve problems. And, and another way to support and take initiative is buy into the vision. Buy into the vision of our church. We believe, one, our pursuit is his presence. Our pursuit is the presence of God. First and foremost over every, anything else. I guarantee you there will, there will be a service where God will fall so hard on us and so heavy on us that we won't even be able to preach. And he'll heal and he'll touch and he'll move. But we've got to pursue it. We've got to seek it. Buy into that vision. Want something more. Our, our vision statement is reach, restore, release. Reach one, restore one, release one. We believe in reaching out to one person. We believe the one person has value. We believe in res the restoration of the one person. We want to help you. We want to get you to where God wants you. And we want to release you into whatever is that, whatever destiny God has for your life. Buy into it. Take initiative in your own life. In your marriage, take initiative. Pursue your wife. Pursue your husband. Pray with each other. In, in, in your, with your kids, pray for your kids. Pray with your kids. Show them the things of God. Show your children the ways of God. Not the ways of the world, not the opinions of the world, but the ways of God. That's how you take initiative in your own family. You may say, well, I don't have any kids. I'm single. Well, God bless you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's okay. Take initiative in your own life. If you're single, you have a lot of time to do some crazy stuff for God. Do something with your life. Take initiative. Take initiative. You know, men, I, I, I always feel this with the men. Take initiative with your family and begin to pray for them. Pray with your family. Lead them in the ways of God. Single men, build a prayer life. Develop a prayer life. Where you, you get every single day, you, you seek God. The world needs to see that. The world needs to see men and women of prayer. Take initiative with that. Don't be just a consumer where you just come to church and you receive. No, no, no. Take initiative. And the last one is take initiative in your spiritual life. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. He'll give you everything you need. give you everything you need. All the other stuff, you know, think about jobs, you think about money, you think about careers, right? You think about schooling, you think about, um, I don't know, whatever, whatever else is on your mind. There's nothing wrong with those things. But Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. Now, you may not get everything you think that you need or everything you want, but I guarantee you that you'll get everything that you need. Everything that you need comes when you seek the kingdom of God first. When you seek the
the kingdom of God first. We need that. We need to be those people. There's more, guys. There's more. God has more for you. But you know, when I, when I talked about what God did in my life just last week, I didn't know this, but the Lord had spoke to me. And he's like, hey, I want you to, they, the, the pastor that was there did like a, a, a call, right? He's like, hey, if you're, if you're bitter towards somebody, why don't you come up and, and get prayed for? I was like, I'm not really bitter towards anybody. Like, I don't really know, but God was like, hey, you need to go pray. I'm like, God, I, I'm literally not mad at anybody. Like, I'm cool with everybody. I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to think like, okay, who am I, who am I upset with? Who am I upset with? And then I, I, I went to the altar. I'm standing there. I'm just like, okay. Like, nothing's happening. All right. I don't know why. I feel like a fool, right? I feel foolish. I'm up here. And then God began to show me that I was really hurt by the church. The church as a whole. I'm a pastor's kid. And I've seen it all. He began to show me how hurt I was with the church. And it was because of my hurt. My, and, and I'm telling you, you, those of you who know me, know I do not cry. And it's not because I don't want to cry. I think there's something wrong with me that I just can't cry. But I was bawling like a baby. Like, I feel foolish saying it. I'm going to be honest with you, but that's okay. I was broken. God broke the hurt with, that was inside of me. And I left that place being free. But what, I, what he spoke to me is because of that hurt that you had, you weren't able to pursue me like you should. And some of us, the reason we're not pursuing God like we should is because there's church hurt. There's hurt with our old pastors or there's hurt with our old leaders or there's hurt with our old friends or some of us have hurt from family members or hurt from, from friends and, and we wonder why, why we try and we try but we can't pursue God but, but it's because there's pain. There's pain there. When you talk about taking initiative with your spiritual life, part of that is saying, Lord, show me what's making me complacent. God, show me what I need to change. Show me what needs, what needs to be broken in my own life. And when he shows you, allow him to heal you. Allow him to heal you. We hope you enjoyed that message today. We pray that it was a blessing to your life. If you would like more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX, or you can check out our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you.